And welcome back to episode four of Mind Your Popcorn. I am one of your three hosts, Ricky Uniac. I am Chuck Clark. And Streetback, to round it out. And today, we will be going through our top five favorite drama TV shows of all time. I know Dan has a little bit of movie trivia, like always planned, um, and then... As usual, we're going to cap it off with some WandaVision Episode 8 um, review, recap, theories, everything you need to kind of get you prepped for the season. Well, I guess I even should say season finale. It's just the finale. Only doing one season of this. But before we go ahead and get started, gentlemen, how are we doing? I'm doing over. Okay, D. All righty. Uh, that's how you say that word, I think. I don't know. I'm making up words. So that, Those are that two should... words you combine, and they both sound wonderful, Chuck. I don't know how you did that. That, uh, that created a new word here tonight on Mind Your Popcorn, <laughs> I believe. It's not, not the first time I've done that. Tough um, <laughs> uh, line sheets is, is, is a phrase I've used before. It doesn't exist. But, uh, you know. We, we'll see how it goes, but uh, that's the state of mind I'm in right now. <laughs> Dan, how Dan. about you? Yeah, I'm doing great right now. This is, this is <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly the kick in the ass that we needed for this. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully, yeah. only 90 minute episode, unlike last <laughs> week. We, uh, I don't know if we should apologize for last week or not, but we're going to do our best to hopefully never have an episode that long. Um, but we like to talk here, so I actually I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm full circle there, Ricky, and I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I guess without further ado, we're just going to dive right into these top five TV dramas, basically um, TV shows that aren't comedies. We decided when we were kind of talking about um, the top five comedies and top five TV shows a couple weeks ago that we wanted to do, or the top five dramas. That we were going to split them up. I believe that was Dan's call, and it was a good call because that would have been chaos trying to do our top five and not separating um, the comedies from basically everything else. So, do we have any volunteers? Do either of you two want to jump right into it? And if not, I do not mind going first. You know what, Ricky? You're the host. Why don't you uh, Why don't you ro- get us rolling on this one? I want to hear All your right. list first. This is going to be very, very disappointing. I have a very, I have a very funny feeling about this. So, um, just like all the other top fives we done or we have done, um, I have approached this where this is my personal top five. I am not cl- I'm not trying to argue that these are the top five TV shows of all time. Um, at least not for every single one. But yeah, I have a funny feeling that maybe only one of these is going to be on your guys' top five. I don't think there's going to be many overlapping. But number five, we've already sort of talked about this. Oh, you you better buckle up. Number five, (laughs) um, I have the Umbrella Academy. I believe this is a show that neither of you two have watched. I I have seen the first season, okay, not the second season. Now I also feel like this probably I should probably um, explain my my reasoning here. Um. I started watching season one, oh gosh, sometime last year. I want to say it was like in the summer. It was definitely a quarantine show. I had never heard of it. 
Um, it is based off of comic books written by Gerard Way, who is the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, for those of you that don't know that. Um, I'm a big My Chemical Romance fan, so when I figured that out, I was like, ooh, I gotta watch this. It is arguably the most fun I've ever had with a TV show. It's a Netflix original. The cast is fantastic. Um, Aiden Gallagher as number five. And I don't want to spoil anything. I just just know that he only goes by number five. Um, really, really good. A uh, little bit of a younger actor. I think he's like 14, started off on Nickelodeon. He carries the show, in my opinion. He's super, super good. Basically, he's like a 14-year-old kid who plays like a 45-year-old man stuck in like a little kid's body. Um, so that whole concept to the show was very, very interesting. I watched season one. It was super good, super good time. Um, I was able to carry right into season two, and I loved it. I have no other argument besides the fact that it was one of the most fun watches I have ever had with a TV show. So if you guys have anything to say about that, now is the time. It's definitely one of the stranger shows you will watch in <laughs> yeah. in in a comic book. And that's saying something for something based on a comic book. But um no, I, I remember enjoying season one when I watched it. I don't mm-hmm. know why I just wasn't motivated to see season two. But I, I I I it's always on my watch list, but it's one of those things where I'm like, Yeah, I'll watch it and then you never watch it, and it just kind of fades into the oblivion. It's nothing wrong with it. I actually probably should watch season two. I'll put it on my watch list. I'd recommend it. Yeah. I got, I got like, four episodes in, something like that, and didn't have the hook. Mm-hmm. The, you know, they kept dragging you forward past looking at something else, or, you know, the work week getting to you, so you didn't want to want you – that made you come back to it, which is what some things do, you know, like, ah, I got to make time for this. Didn't have it, lost it, never came back to it. I will look at it now if it seems to have payoff, which my recommendation will seem to like to go back to it then. I would recommend it, obviously. Um, I thought season two was better than season one. Um, I think that does a, a better job at season one at kind of like capturing your attention early and often and kind of making it worth it to kind of go to the next episode. Um, so that was my number five. Um, like I said, I don't have a whole lot to say about that. It was just one of the m- best watches, most fun watches I've had. Number four, I have the walking dead pre season seven. So I'm cheating here. Um, I was a wee lad when The Walking Dead came out. I remember, this is a true story. I was in 10th grade in high school, and I was in a mass media class where we had to come up with our own TV show. Um, we had to like come up with the basis of a TV show. Um, we had to name characters. We had to write out a plot and everything. When I tell you that I wrote what ended up being the plot of The Walking Dead, I'm not lying. In fact, apparently The Walking Dead had already been announced. I didn't know it, and I got in trouble for copying off of The Walking Dead, and I had no clue. It hadn't come out yet, but um, I ended up failing that project. Anywho, Walking Dead... So you're telling me you you came up with the story of The Walking Dead, and it's your fourth favorite TV show? So, okay, so let me explain this. When I say I came up with the story for The Walking Dead, I didn't have all the characters. I basically had, like, 
a zombie apocalypse driven story um survival i had all the elements of the walking dead but they obviously did a much better job than i did um okay I'm saying preseason seven because I remember the exact moment where the show lost me. Um, it was after Negan was introduced, and I had high, high hopes for Negan. I remember being in college, Chuck. I think we lived together watching the episode. Um, I guess spoiler alert, where they 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 did our boy Glennon literally, and they introduced this this big bad Negan from the comics. And shortly after that, there was a scene where Rick confronted Negan outside of his um, headquarters, I guess you can call it, where Negan's, like, up on, like, a, a balcony. Like, he had, like, a metal balcony that, like, went around his, like, the building where his, like, army was stationed in. And Rick was on the ground no more than 50 feet from him and had, like, some sort of, like, machine gun and open fired and, like, missed every shot somehow from point blank range. And I was like, yep, this show has lost me. Um, I've heard it's gotten much better since I haven't gone back to it, but in my opinion, everything before season seven was perfectly done. I, I loved it. I remember you the same. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, you, you go first, Dan. I, I commented yeah. first last time. Uh, I share your sentiment almost exactly with these the first six to seven seasons to the introduction of Negan because the season where they introduced Negan the where he is the end payoff is one of my favorite actual seasons the build to Negan is wonderful you know we're still with all the characters that you love and they are doing things and, and shaking them off you know dealing with minor inconveniences because they're about to deal with and kind of you know being badasses they where they take the little uh satellite plant where they just kill everyone in his sleep and glenn has to do what he has to do uh the problem is then it just rips your heart out and makes you mad for the next like i don't know season and a half to where you quit that is my experience with Walking Dead. So my experience with The Walking Dead, as Ricky pointed out, I didn't really start watching it till I got to college. And then Ricky started watching it. And Ricky and Jesse, both my roommates, were really into it. So I started watching with them. And I quite enjoyed it when I remember watching it. I believe it was season four when we started watching or season five. It was they had um, it was after the governor would was uh, dealt with and they were dealing with those people in the warehouse terminus. Oh, so right before Alexandria. Yeah. And then I watched through Alexandria. And then um, right after I left college, I fell off again because I remember my experience with the walking dead was, Oh, I really like this show. I like the tone. I like everything about it. Um, never know which character is going to die. And then after a while I was like, okay, but now they've killed off a lot of the characters I like. <laughs> so, and the main characters who I really liked for the most part started becoming real jerks. Like when they got to Alexandria, they were like, this seems like a nice place. Yeah. 
we might as well take this over. We're badasses. F these people. <laughs> they don't know what's coming. Which yeah, I, they haven't, like, I get they, it. But like, you, you could be nicer about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they haven't dealt with we dealt with. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I think the season with Alexandra was, I think, my favorite. Um, Because it was like this turning point. I loved Rick's character in that season where he was like, I know we were just complaining about it, but it's like, you guys are all wrong. You guys are Mm -hmm. wrong. I am right. And I don't care. I will kill every single one of you if I have to. Um, I remember there being a lot of speculation about, um, what's his name, Morgan coming back. Yeah, that was like a big thing. I remember, Ricky, you were really into that. Oh, I loved it. You were like, dude, this is from season one. And I remember watching season one on Netflix. Um, Yeah, I just, I I loved everything about that show. Um, Kind of a shame that uh, I wasn't able to stick with it. Because I know a lot of people who, who have watched it from the beginning, who continued to watch and enjoy it. I unfortunately did not fall into that category of uh, viewers, so maybe one day I'll revisit it because I've I've heard that it's gotten a lot better. The spinoff show killed it for me. It's all around the same time. Fear of the Walking Dead just kind of killed it in a bad way, like it ruined it, or killed it yes. like oh it knocked it out. Okay, ooh that's not good. Yes. I watched like one episode of that and I was like, ooh, something different. And I was like, ah, no. Mm. They didn't give it the same, um, it didn't have the same quality. Like you could tell it had a smaller budget and it kind of cut some corners on like some of the effects and stuff. And I'm, I'm on the same boat. Um, which brings me to my number three, which is Fear of the Walking Dead. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> my, my number three, and I have no other reason to put this there other than I felt like I had to have, like, one of these two shows. Um, I have The Pacific, and I am mm. such a um, – I don't want to say a history buff because I feel like that term doesn't accurately describe me. I enjoy history, specifically, like, World War II if you, or, or World War One. You come out with any movie about either the World Wars, I'm going to watch it. So I was torn between Band of Brothers and The Pacific – um, when Band of Brothers was popular and on HBO, I was not into the like uh, that type of TV at the time. I'm pretty sure I was like still into like SpongeBob and Jimmy Neutron. Um, now, when the Pacific aired, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was like in middle school, and I couldn't tell you any of the characters' names. Um, although I'm pretty sure who's the guy that played Freddie Mercury from Night of the Museum? Uh, Robbie Malik. I think Robbie Malik's in the in the Pacific. Oh, from that. Oh, I like. I yes. don't know why I know that, but I'm pretty sure I remember him from that. Um, so I had to put the Pacific in number three. The rewatchability is really, really good, and I'm a big fan of everything World War Two. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to add to that before I unveil my number two? Um, I I uh, watched the Pacific when it came out. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I prefer Band of Brothers a little bit more, um, but I I did do remember watching The Pacific and really enjoying it when it came out uh, because I too like history, loved World War II, um, and I always felt like the Pacific War in the Pacific, which was much more um, the the when you look at the scale 
and the massive amount of just will it took to take for those battles in history is just it's brutal it's brutal stuff to watch um um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I did not go uh, ahead I, was, I I did not watch the Pacific unfortunately but I watched Band of Brothers and knew it was fantastic when you brought that up it was like the the combination of them both mm-hmm. I uh, you can tell the people that made the first one will make the second one equally as well so I need to do it and I agree I phenomenal yeah uh, the only reason I prefer Band of Brothers a little bit more, um, I think the acting from the the I like. Well, we talked about this a little bit before, but I like that in uh, Band of Brothers, there's like more people. The the there's just more people to follow, more stories to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, the Donnie Wahlberg episode was, I think, my favorite of the for the Band of Brothers. Um, Pacific, since it really focuses on those three people, um, you know, it didn't make it any worse for me. It just was like, okay, now I have to stick with these characters. And sometimes it, it lagged a little for me. But otherwise, I mean, it is it is a great show. I'd, I'd recommend both shows to anybody for sure. Yeah, and I actually did a like a, a mini rewatch, I guess, of the Pacific. Um, and the... Um, action sequences still hold up for it being kind of a bit of an older show. They did a really, really good job. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, number two, which I have a funny feeling is going to be the least popular. Um, I don't think you guys are going to like this very much, at least not Dan. Um, Number two, my number two favorite TV show of all time, uh, Stranger Things. I have it at number two um, because this was the first show that I watched um, post my number one favorite all time that kind of captured my attention in a similar way that my number one show did. Um, the character is super, super good. Um, you guys have both seen it, right? I don't need to like explain like anything. No, I, I, why, why am I not going to like this? I'm confused. I don't know. I guess I assume that you guys wouldn't maybe like maybe like top five or, or it might have been number five for you. But I thought number two was going to be a little bit of a shock. But you guys have both seen it. Yes. Dan. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. No, I mean, okay. Number two of all time. That's saying where you. Yeah. I mean, no, but I really like it. It's a really good show. I'm, OK. Wait for it to. I, it's not over yet. That's why, you know, come on. I listen, as a, as listen, I don't know if it's, this show's going to appear on the list, but I'll tell you, it's not on my list. Game of Thrones may have made my list at some point. Oh, and yeah. then that final season came out. Yeah. We're and while have I, I would still, I wouldn't tell someone not to watch it. I would just say, go in prepared. All right. Just, you know, know what you're getting into. This is going to be save, what I save it. Save, yeah, save we're going to have to save, save all this. Save it, save and that's it. why. And listen, I I say Stranger Things season one was amazing. Season two yes. fell off a little bit for me. Definitely. Season three was re- still really good. Um, uh, I loved uh, I love. Um, I, I echo name. your sentiments, except for a little bit more on season three. I'm going to I'm going to hype season 3 a little bit more than what you just said, but I agree exactly with everything else. 
Joe Curie. I love Joe Curie. Oh, Steve. <laughs> Steve. And yeah, the, the mom. The mom of the group. And the female uh, ice cream employee who's Robin. the daughter of Robin. Who's yeah, Ethan Hawke and um, Uma Thurman's daughter. Yes. Yep. And they're all their interactions with uh, Gaten Mozzarello. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The highlight of season three. And I don't know her name, but the actress that plays, um, is it Luke's sister? uh, The one who's with Dustin. She's really sassy. Oh, yeah, the one that's. Yeah, Max is. No, 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 not Max. Not Billy's sister. Um, Oh, God. The one she's with Dustin, they're all they all get captured. I'm pretty sure by by the Russians. She's the one who fits through the oh, vent. Oh, yeah. I can't think of her name. No, I cannot either. I but is it Luke, her older brother? Is that his name, or am I? Am Lucas. I getting... Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas's sister. Um, I can't remember her oh. name. That should have to, to save my life, but um, she kind of she shined in season two and like the the three or four lines she had. And I was super pumped and they kind of gave her a little bit of a bigger role in season three. Um, well, good. I'm glad I don't have to defend stranger things. Like I thought I was going to have to, I love everything about that show. Uh, it, the character it's not the second best. It's not the second best TV show of all time. Oh, it's a not. great show. I mean, come on. I, how dare you say that? But <laughs> fine. Whatever. Well, okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to spend too much uh, time defending it. Then stranger things came in at number two for me. Um, and number one, and I don't know if we want to argue about this now or if we just want to save it, but I have Game of Thrones. And, Chuck, I, I know that's not going to sit well with you. Game of Thrones is still the best TV show I have ever watched in my life, even with how season eight ended. And I'm just going to throw out a spoiler alert right now. If you have not watched Game of Thrones, you are going Ricky, to let, Hey, hey, let, let's just – what? What do you guys want to say? Ten minutes, ten to twelve whole minutes is it, that, that that seem fair? Well, I'm arguing right Game now. of Thrones. Okay, all right. Yeah, all right, let's we're do diving it. Into it. That, that's, Chuck, listen set up. Set your timers, people. Set your timers. Listen up. All right. Okay, I I got time right now. Chuck. Spoiler. Season it's eight, number two. Go ahead, Ricky. Season eight does not take away from the first, and I'm going to say six and a half seasons of what I consider perfect television. I understand how much of a letdown the the last season was, and I am not going to let those two um, – I'll, I'll be nice. Those two lazy pieces of crap that are uh, Benioff and Wise ruin the first seven seasons for me. Uh, they They – okay, if anyone who hasn't seen it, the entire show – Builds up to the last season, obviously, and there was some I don't know if the, I don't know if it was a contract issue, but the two showrunners were slated to do a new Star Wars trilogy that was announced like I'm going to say right before they started shooting season eight, um, which at this point would have been like what mid 2017 to, to mid 2018, somewhere in that ballpark. And. It was very apparent that they got super, super lazy with it. They also ran out of book material because George R. R. Martin apparently forgot how to write. Um, he had ended up taking forever. Can you guys hear me okay? I just wanted to make sure. Chuck, it might be I, you. I can hear okay. you. Okay. Um, they ran out of book material, and 
the last season was just so lazy. They they basically were like, you know, we're going to give this like a don't quote me on this. I want to say it had like a one hundred million dollar budget um, for the last six episodes. And yeah, it was, it was I mean, it was something in, in the, the, the neighborhood of there. Yeah, I mean, it was I, insane. I, it was Game of Thrones, though, was unbelievable for seven seasons, in my yes. opinion. Mm-hmm. And the eighth season did not wrap it up the way that it, it rushed everything that it had to do. They got it done with, which alludes to Ricky's point that where um, Dave and Dan, which we, that's what we came to know them by for the first six seasons. They were our good friends, Dave and Dan. Then it became uh, D.B. Wise and David Benioff. Because then we knew their whole names because we didn't want to know. They became disassociated with us as fans because they didn't know how to finish the show. They needed George R.R. Martin to finish the books. He didn't. Then they couldn't finish the show in any kind of satisfying manner. So they rushed it along, got it done, and are living with the consequences, which is... The best show in the history of the world lost its esteem in six episodes. Yes. Based on rushed writing. I don't want to say rushed production. It still looked good. I don't want to take it away from anybody that worked on it. It it looked fantastic still. It was acted pretty damn well still. There's some weird things that happened. Story-wise, it ruins the legacy of the show. Mm-hmm. But if someone has not seen it and doesn't know anything about it, you absolutely tell a person to watch the show. Yeah. They will be amazed by and what happens. One thing I want to say, Chuck, because I, I, I know you're getting ready to, to, to fire your side of the argument here. Game of Thrones... Game of Thrones fundamentally changed me as a person. There was about a uh, two month stretch um, when season seven aired in 2017 where I believed that I was Jon Snow. Um, I have never in my life cared that much about fictional characters, whether it was in movie or TV. Um, the, the story, the fact that that show was able to have as many characters as it did become basically household names. I'm not just talking like four, five or six characters. I'm talking like 15 to 20 characters that you knew they were like house. If you're, if your household watched Game of Thrones, you all knew their name. You knew their, their story. And I just don't, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know if that's going to be something that I'm going to see again in my lifetime. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I'm even being pessimistic there. But um, one thing I do want to add, kind of what Dan touched on, was the fact that quarantine happened a year after the final season, and nobody seemed to care to rewatch Game of Thrones because of the bad taste in their mouths from the last season. And Chuck, I'll let that be the segue into the argument that you are about to make. Yeah. Um, when you center your whole show around two problems in Game of Thrones case, they are the White Walkers and who's going to sit on the Iron Throne. And you have crappy endings to both of them. 
I don't consider that uh, that can, that really makes me go. I'm never gonna watch this show again. I am, and listen, I can't disagree with any of your points. I do think the first six seasons, I'll say, are for sure great. The f- uh, I think there's two or three episodes in season seven that are really really good, and the rest are more just okay. They're not bad or anything. And then season eight, even season eight, like that second episode in season eight, yeah. I remember watching and being mm-hmm. like the night before the battle. And I was like, Damn. this is good stuff right here. And then the battle happened and I was like, okay, I guess that's the solution. And then two episodes later, we were doing King's Landing. I was like, what? And then the ending happened and I was like, uh, and listen, ru- listen, it's insanely rushed. It's mm-hmm. so rushed. It's and ins- yes, mm. and the, the, we've figured out the timeline. Benioff and Weiss were planning season eight before they were offered Star Wars. Yeah, and that doesn't even matter anymore because they're not doing that. And That's incredible, by the way. The fact that they were shamed out of the Star Wars gig. <laughs> And they had a Netflix contract, and now they're focusing on content for that. Who knows what that's going to be? We also have to remember with Benioff and Weiss, these two guys, this was their first ever television show. Yes. So, you know, they fumbled the ending. It's whatever. Listen, I can't disagree. Listen, for anyone who hasn't watched it, obvious. Well, we're talking spoilers, anyways. The Mountain and the Viper. Good Lord, we are well past that. <laughs> yeah. We are the, well past anything, any kind of warning. Listen, the Mountain and the Viper will stick with me for the rest of my life. Oh, the yeah. image of Pedro Pascal's crushed face will forever haunt me. And I knew it was coming. Someone had spoiled to me what happens in that battle. And I was like, oh, boy, I know how this is going to end. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> it was still that's horrifying. The, that's the power of season four Game of Thrones. Yeah. Right. You knew what was going to happen, and your heart and your brain and everything told you, no, it's not. He's going to do it. And then he didn't, and his boosh. So that is why it's still my it's my number two the best it's unbelievable i know it's unsatisfactory at the end seven seasons i know season seven is debatable it's got it doesn't have anything that ruins it for you though there's no ruining moments like season eight it is perfectly watchable it's at its greatness through seven seasons in in the peak of television for three to four seasons in a row, the best television you could watch, mm-hmm. in my opinion, on on your hot screen, big box screen, <laughs> whatever, whatever your television. The is. shiny thing in the living yeah. room. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Listen. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And as for you know, I I'm glad it changed you as a person, Ricky. I'm. It's really. I'm. I'm happy I don't know that. about that. I'm not gonna I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe I'm gonna start wearing Kevlar vest to wedding now. Just protect myself. <laughs> like, hey, what's going on? Never know what's gonna happen here. 
But um, yeah, that's all um, I can. <laughs> one thing that I'll kind of end it with because I know we still have, we still need to get through your guys' top five, and we spent a lot of time on mine. Um, I one thing I wish they would have done was probably in season seven wrap up the White Walker storyline. Um, if that would have came to a, a resolution in season seven and season eight would have just been about the Iron Throne. I think that could have been um, a fix, but they just needed more time and they unfortunately didn't have it. And I am not willing. I, I'm a, fully acknowledging how much of a disappointment season eight was, but I myself am not willing to let that ruin it for me because I have done rewatches of everything up to season eight. I think twice since the show came to a halt now. Um, so, uh, we'll, uh, I will end my top five there as I'm sure we are bound to talk about Game of Thrones again here. So who would like to go next? Uh, I guess I'll take it from here. Yeah. I was a huge, I spoiled Game of Thrones is, was my number two. I'm done. I'm going to skip it next time. So I, I got what I had to say out. Cool. You're up. Chuck. All right. Um, Similar to Ricky's, I, uh, this is like, they're not all like complete dramas, my top five, but they are all, you know, pretty fairly serious shows in my opinion. Um, so I'm going to start with my number five. Um, it's a show that I haven't gone back to watch in, in a while, but, um, I'm I'm probably going to be doing I I want to do a rewatch of soon. Um which I'm I'm like 99% sure it's going to be on Dan's list too. Uh I'm talking about The West Wing. Um show starring Martin Sheen as a fictional president. Um it's a show about the White House. Um seasons, He's done this twice in a row, Chuck. Twice in a row. Guess, guess what number that is, Chuck? I'm going to guess it's your number no. one? Yeah, number yeah. Four. Yeah, it's your number one? Yeah, okay, it's, yeah, it's my number one. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's this, my favorite. that is absolutely my favorite, favorite show of all time. Well, this I'll just briefly talk about it then. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, my number five was a hard <laughs> spot. I knew what my top four were, like, pretty easily. Um, so five, because it was a little more difficult cause I was trying to think, and there was another show I was actually thinking about putting on here. And then I realized it was a comedy. So I guess D- then you, you, you should have Chuck. You should have <laughs> well, put another one on there. It was a comedy. So I really should have put it on my other list last. Yeah. Week, last list, but, um, yeah. But anyways, no, but you, yeah. I'll let I'll see the rest of my time to Dan then, because he'll probably go into more depth about what it, but I'll say this before he starts talking. Um, Seasons one through four, some of the best television you'll ever watch in your entire life. I think five through seven, after Aaron Sorkin leaves, Aaron Sorkin, who you may know as writers of such movies as The Social Network, um, director of This Child of Chicago 7. Um, he uh, was part of the first four seasons of The West Wing and then left after that. So that's, you know part of the reason why there's a drop-off. Um, but even then, there's still a lot of value to be had. A lot of drama, a lot of 
great storylines and a lot of great characters, which, you know, every television show has to survive with great characters. And um, also, you know, sometimes it's great to watch a government happen and you're like, wow, that's really functional. And they're really discussing and debating things. (laughs) It's nice to pretend that that happens. I don't know. You know, regardless, you know, it's obviously from I'm not going to lie. He's a Democrat. So you're a conservative you're probably not gonna get as much enjoyment from the show as maybe oh no but i still think you'll you'll find there are there are definitely moments to be had and enjoy um yes it uh, it tackles um and welcome mind your popular listeners to orlando uh he is he might be the fourth member of this podcast at this point. He is going to interrupt here every once in a while. We were a bunch of college buddies, and I'm the one with the kid. So I'm the one, I'm, I'm the one that's going to have that up here every once in a while. So uh, have fun. Yeah. Uh, but no, the West Wing. Here we go. It's one through four, you're correct. The Aaron Sorkin writing is such a strange line story from one through four with all the same characters. And I love to think about how much they all want to do things. Martin Sheen, household name for many things, but Jed Bartlett, in my opinion, is definitely his best character. He morphs into so many things, and it's just exactly what it, yes, it's democratic, but the way he molds the ideas into the policy and the way he actually thinks as a president is wonderful. Liam McGarry's with, I think John Spencer, I think I have Paul. He just, he was, he, I hope that I think that's his name. Bradley Whitford, um, Rob Lowe, of course is awesome. Um, Josh Molina later and Dulé Hill, who is a holes, uh, famous, everybody loves holes. They, craft the executive branch of the West Wing. You know, your top cabinet member, not not your cabinet members, the actual people that you deal with day to day as running the country. They flesh characters out and deal with how you would run the country day to day. And you feel like you would now know how the executive branch works. It, it, the way they do that in an actual story still amazes me and the characters themselves never seem out of place they're always where they need to be and do what they need to because Aaron Sorkin is unbelievable but I still love six and seven and two seven where they bring Jimmy Santos in to run for president and be like the next one or Josh becomes the Leo McGarry, the chief of staff of that next Jed, I guess. I'm going on. I'm just rambling at this point. So somebody go. All right. Well, that's if you haven't watched the West Wing, I like we said, we, we highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, my number four. This is where I break out my nerd card. Um, I am a huge Star Trek fan, uh, and pretty much all incarnations. So I knew I had to pick one Star Trek show to put on my list. So I picked my favorite Star Trek show, and that would be Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It is my favorite of the Star Trek shows. Um, 
I'll, I'll ask you two how much Star Trek you guys have watched in a minute. But um, for those of you that don't know, um, obviously the original series, uh, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, was, took place on the USS Enterprise. Next Generation, the one with Patrick Stewart, also took place on the Enterprise. Deep Space Nine does not take place on a ship that is moving around the galaxy. Deep Space Nine takes place on a star base. And um, they are dealing with alien creatures basically coming through their base on a daily basis. That's where the generation of most storylines are. Um, I love, I said, so Ricky, I'll ask you, how much Star Trek have you ever watched? Is there like a number lower than zero? I've never watched any of the TV shows. I'm pretty sure there's like a movie or two that I've never seen. I don't even think I've seen one or two on YouTube. I can't tell you anything about it. Dan. I have watched a decent amount of TNG, occasional TOS, and then uh, a couple of the movies and all the new movies. But I have actually not seen a Deep Space Nine. I thought you were going to say TNG. I knew you loved TNG, but I have not seen Deep Space Nine, unfortunately. I know I, need, I, know, I, know I need to watch it. I know I like it. Okay. Well, I know the reputation that Star Trek has in the popular culture. So let me just say this. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to say that – I'm gonna say, not going to say that's wrong, but it's very exaggerated, I think. <laughs> and I think – while bad Star Trek is very bad, there is some really beautiful, amazing Star Trek as well. And for every bad CGI, bad makeup thing there is, there's a lot more good than there is bad. Um, I'm actually glad that you guys have that, Ricky, that you haven't seen any Star Trek, because now I get to give you uh, my best Star Trek episodes to watch if you've never seen Star Trek. You want to send them my way, I'll watch them. Okay, I will send them your way once once we're done recording, because it's too much to go into probably here. But um, I love Deep Space Nine because um, with the other shows, there's, uh, you know, they're all a crew sort of, you know, so the crew becomes family kind of thing. Um, there are relationships and whatnot, but it's mostly just, and it's also like a lot of Monster of the Week stuff. Deep Space Nine introduces a lot of serialized stories. There's a lot of stories that start in season one that carry over every season that have running conclusions and whatnot. Um, And there's a lot of – and also uh, most of the characters have family. Like the captain, the main character of the show, um, played by Avery Brooks, um, has a son who's with him the entire time on this – you know. Don't know what's going on with Dan, but uh, this essential military base. So there's a lot of good drama that comes out of that, you know, um, that I really love. In fact, my favorite episode of all time is, in fact, uh, uh, based around those their two relationship, which is really unique in Star Trek. Um, I love the cultural stories they tell, the theological stories they tell. Uh, it's just really good. But moving on now, I'm just going to move on to my number three now. That would be 
Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh. A Nickelodeon show, yes. While it, okay. may, provide okay. many, it pro- may provide many laughs, it is 100% a drama. It is about, for, for those of you that don't know, it is about Aang, The Last Airbender, because his entire... Think about this. Think about this in a Nickelodeon show, a show for kids. He's the last airbender. Why? Because another country invaded his and eliminated his entire people. They eliminated his culture. They, you know, and it's not just like, hey, we're going to leave that up in the air and then cool. The third episode of the show is him going to the Southern Air Temple not knowing what's really happened and finding the body of his mentor in in the ruins. It's some heavy stuff for a show. So I think it more than qualifies in the drama, even though it is a kid's show and there is a lot of humor in it. But it's just a show I've watched, rewatched it over and over again since it came on Netflix. It's a show that has so much power for me. All these years later, I can still relate to it. And I still watch it and go like, wow, there's some really good lessons in there that I need to really carry with me. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's world renowned as, as yeah. a wonderful TV show that needs to be held in the highest regard. And it was, you know, decimated by uh, old M. Night Shyamalan on the big screen. But uh, there is no movie in boxing, yeah. say. <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. Um, Ricky, what's what's your ATLA? Okay, so I have watched Avatar. Um, not a long time, though. I know it's a little bit newer to Netflix, and I it's been on my list. I am definitely going to get around to the rewatch because – I don't I mean I remember the basic premise of the show right now I don't remember all the intricate details um but I've heard from many many people that that show just holds up um not everything from the Nickelodeon days holds up as an adult but I'm I'm very excited to give that a rewatch yeah uh I would also recommend after you watch Avatar if you're still interested Legend of Korra is a really good show too it's not quite as good to me as Avatar the Last Ender but it you know, ATLA also holds a special place because you watch it as a kid and then it holds up. You know, there's just something about that that stays with it. But um, and if you are new to the whole Avatar universe and you were never if you were not sure if you're going to watch Avatar um, because the pilot, there is a lot of kids humor. Like that was the one thing I noticed when I rewatched it. That's why it's number three on my list. I was like, oh, there's a lot of 12 year old humor in this. It's not that it doesn't hold up, but it's like, eh, it's not always funny to me like it was when I was a kid. Yeah, but a lot of dr- gags between, you know, the, the main characters are just like, why would why would you do that? Oh, that's right. You know, 12-year-olds. <laughs> right. But the drama 100% holds up. All the dramatic weight. Definitely. I think 100% carries through all the way through. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would tell people is that once you get past that pilot you get into it a little bit it's not going to take long for it to stick with you um all right all that being said on to my number two um this show came out at the end of 2019 and i remember watching it and i remember when i finished watching it i was like this is 
one of the greatest pieces of television I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm talking about Watchmen, the miniseries on HBO. I think about that show on almost a daily basis. Mm. Because, first off, Regina King, give her all her flowers, everything, because she is amazing. She's amazing for so many reasons. Um, But... That that show, I mean, listen, I have the comic book sitting here on my nightstand because it is an amazing piece of work. And even if you have no inclination to read a comic book, I recommend you buy the graphic novel because it really does transcend. Like you will read it and be like, oh, this is not this is not like every other comic book you have ever read. There's a Time magazine put it on the 100 20th century novels every person should read that should tell you something about the quality of this of this and this television show which is a continuation of it is just so beautiful um i I wish i wish i had enough to say about it chuck i really i really wish i do (laughs) i mean i don't know i just think about especially like first off it introduced us – well, it didn't introduce – well, unfortunately, it introduced us to the Tulsa race riots, mm-hmm. which for so long – I mean I, I can say with you know some amount of shame that we didn't – that I didn't know about it because of the way our, our, our education system deals with those kinds of topics. And I think it just – it really opened up a sort of conversation that was already kind of – there that needed to be talked about but the way it did it is just amazing to me it's just amazing um i think about the end that speech that um the main character one of the main characters gives when he's sitting in the theater that he was when he when the show opens he's there as a boy and then he's there as an adult as an older man and it's it touches me every single time i don't know I have things to say about that show. I never watched the movie. Um, I know the movie's from 2009. I never watched it. However, when I saw, because HBO was teasing that during Game of Thrones, like the last season of Game of Thrones, they were showing trailers and stuff, and I remember being really excited for that. Um, Regina King, you're 100% right. Give her all the flowers. She's freaking phenomenal in this uh, in this show. Um, his name's escaping me. But the boyfriend, um, yeah, Dr. Manhattan, Abdul. yeah, he's more of like an up and comer. I know he's got a he was in actually um, Trial of the Chicago. Aquaman. Yeah, he was an Aquaman. He was in Trial of the Chicago 7, too. Um, he plays. Um, oh, his name's escaping me. Um, one of the uh, higher ups in the Black Panther Party. Um, that that show, Watchmen, for it to be as culturally relevant as it was for the time like you you talked about it out of the start if i'm not mistaken the first scene in the episode one is black wall street yeah it's it's it was the attack on black wall street and i same boat you were in i was like did this actually happen i had never heard about this and then you know getting to do my own research a little bit um and kind of educating myself there but so freaking good i i watched the show actually with 
my mother, who was probably an even bigger fan of it than I was. Um, she really wants a season two, but I have to kind of tell her, I'm like, I don't think this is a multiple season show. Um, I know there were rumors that they were going to do a season two, but, um, that's not happening. But no, if you, if you haven't seen Watchmen, it's on HBO. I mean, that, that needs to be at the top of your list of things to watch, in my opinion. You guys have been all over my top five. <laughs> I don't have much to say. I've got two shows because my number five was a combo of Walking Dead, Walking Dead slash Stranger Things, and you know, there we go. Defended them slash enabled them, depending on you know how you look at it. Game of Thrones gone. Number two. <laughs> Goodbye. West Wing, number one. Hey, see ya. It was nice nice seeing ya. Number four, another Aaron Sorkin creation. I don't know if either of you have seen this. It was an HBO creation. The Newsroom. Starring Jeff Daniels. He's the major star, to be honest. Dan, either you're wasted or your connection is very bad. It might be both. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, also, I still have to do my number one. Yeah, Chuck still has to do his number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. It sounds like you don't have much to say anyway, so let's, let's let Chuck do his number one. We'll give you, like, your 20 seconds to kind of, rat, you know, end your, your top five, and then, and then we'll sure. move on. Dan Last goes thing, first next time. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Last thing yeah. I'll say about Watchmen is that uh, the episode number five, this amazing being where you are living, where Angela is living her life through Will Reeves' eyes, through his memories. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what structural racism looks like, just watch that episode and see how that unfolds, because that's basically what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, getting political. About it, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, my number one show, speaking of getting, well, not really, but my number one show, The Wire. I knew it. Listen. Fuck you, Chuck. <laughs> James, do you have one left? Do you have any left? I think the newsroom's probably the only one left. Just the newsroom. Just the newsroom. We'll talk about the newsroom in a second. We're talking about the wire right now. <laughs> Listen, I'm from Maryland. I don't live in Baltimore City. I'm not from Baltimore City, so I'm not going to claim that. But it is the most realistic show you will ever watch in your entire life. Because it, is 100%, it was 100% filmed in Baltimore City. So every single street is Baltimore City. The way they talk is Baltimore City. The way people behave is Baltimore City. But even beyond that, if you're not, if you have no connection to Baltimore, forget that. This is exactly how police operate. This is their mentality. This is how criminals operate. That's this is their mentality. Every time it introduces a new um subsection of of the city of the of the people around this in this city 
it nails it 100%. Their attitudes, their feelings, what they would say. It's so realistic. And the characters you just come to love. Even the criminals, even some of them you're just watching and you're, it's fascinating. I mean, Omar is probably one of the most, I mean, he's the Robin Hood of sort of, of the gang world. He robs drug dealers. <laughs> and that just sounds. Yeah, he that does could, not distribute to the poor. He no. does not. He, <laughs> no. To, but. You know, that character like that could have been so one note. But when you watch the show, you'll click. It clearly shows no. he is more than that. And it, it, man, man's got to live by a code. He lives by the code. He yeah. does what he has to do. He, you know, he, he carries that shotgun. He does what he has to do. But he lives yeah. by it. And uh, I think what's most devastating is watching what happens to the kids. I mean, season four is my favorite of the wire. When you're watching the school kids yeah. go into the system and how they start that season and how they end both that season and in the show in general, it's both heartwarming and heartbreaking when you're watching people go through what they go through. Um, there's just so many. And the, it's, it's crazy to me that really only um, Dominic West, who plays Jimmy McNulty, is the only yep. really and uh, the only guy who's really blown up since that show came out. Um, not that well, the I mean, it, Idris Elba. Uh, Idris Elba, yeah, Idris yeah. Elba. That's true. Everyone else, yeah. you know, um, and also if you love, remember the Titans. You'll recognize mm-hmm. Julius as one of the main drug dealers. Um, yeah, Avon Barksdale is untouchable, or is he? It's a main theme of uh, the later seasons. But when you the the character to me, there's two characters to me that stand out. I already mentioned Omar. The uh, two others, um, Bodie, who it, you meet in season one as a young man who is in the, in the drug dealing world, because he ends, he ends that season doing something really terrible. And yet in season four, watch when you watch what happens to him, it's one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's, that's the kind of power the show has. And the other is bubbles who Mm. plays, he plays a drug addict. So well, this is a true story. He told, he was standing in Baltimore while they were filming, and he was just standing around in his clothes. And an actual dr- crack addict came up to him, saw him, and g- gave him some drugs and said, "You look like this. You need this more than I do." Oh my! He god. said that was his street. That was his street Emmy. Oh my god! That's a real life story that happened. So if that I, I had you, not heard that about Bugs, yeah. Uh, the actor who played Bob. I believe it. So, I mean, I recommend it to every single person. You should watch it. Season one is a little slow to start off, but it is well worth your time. Continue watching it. Um, yeah, Lewis yeah. Reddick has, you know, he was in the John Wick films. He's, you know, he's done something. Yeah, Lewis know? Reddick and um, the other, well, obviously, uh, Michael B. Jordan is in season one. 
So. Oh well, yes, yes. Right, but it's not not a wonderful ending for for himself. No. Um, <laughs> but he uh, obviously also went on to have Friday Night Lights before having an illustrious career. You know. But uh, Dan, you want to talk about the only show you have left? <laughs> yeah. In this room. <laughs> That's it. Just we're just getting the title from you. <laughs> I already started on it before. I mean, Jeff McDaniel's is a he is the host of an APM newsroom anchor. Back before, kind of during twenty four hour news, but back before it was like what it is now. And his, his and it's all of his producers around him and his co-hosts and his co-anchors. And everything that he and his writers and he has to deal with and is obviously the the men upstairs from uh we imagine these massive corporations have to deal with uh not deal with but they put on the news to do and they rebel a little bit they decided to do the news the way the news is supposed to be done report what needs to be reported like the truth and interview the guests that need to be interviewed and push them see what they have to do like where do they actually stand on the what their companies are saying to them they might push the envelope a little bit more but how does everybody react to that and where does the country go from their reaction? Now, Chuck, I have not seen the newsroom. Neither have um, I. However, there is a viral clip from the newsroom um, starring Jeff Daniels that seems to go viral like every November during like election season. And it's yes. where he's he, – I don't know the context. I've never seen the He's up on stage and – He's basically challenging the fact that America is not the best country in the world and gives all the reasons why and kind of um, argues that that thought that us American citizens tend to have that we are the greatest and the best. Um, And that seems to show up on my uh, on the TL every single November. So that's about my the extent of my experience. That's the first fifth. That is the first 15 minutes of the very first episode of the show. Okay, so I that have started it watching starts it. starts off. Okay, perfect. I, I just got to watch everything else. Yeah. Yep. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, is not is Dev Patel in this show? Yes, he plays me. Okay. He, uh, you may know him as from Slumdog Millionaire. Hmm, okay. I got to add this to my list. Yeah. All righty, Dan. That's literally all I have. <laughs> well, okay, okay, Dan, run us through the entirety of what was going to be your top five really quick before we jump into the trivia. I had five Walking Dead slash Stranger Things. It was like the beginning of an old show that I loved, Walking Dead, with the hope that I have to end with Stranger Things that I've loved so far is my number five. It was like a little combo meal there. Four the newsroom that was my number four by the way guys the one that was my only one that i got to go with. uh <laughs> number three was the wire which 
I also I just want to add they change the theme song every season, and I love starting a new season with a new theme song and just kind of not a new theme song, a new take on the same theme song. I have to say, like uh, they they sing it differently with a new band and a new uh, tone. Two's Game of Thrones, which we went in depth with because I defend the majority of that, and then The West Wing, which just tells. I just saw the political, uh, not the politics of it, but the intrigue of day-to-day how you deal with things of such manner. There's my short synopsis on my top five, I guess. Dan, I promise the next time we do a top five, you're going first. Because I think this is two weeks in a row. This week more than last week where where you've gotten some time taken from you. So we... Well, yeah, we apologize. I'm going to apologize for Chuck. <laughs> yes, Dan, I'm, I'm very sorry that we have similar tastes. Chuck took all <laughs> yours. I only took one, didn't I? The only one I took was Game of Thrones. So, Chuck, this is like 80% you. <laughs> yeah. um, the math you're you, looking for when is 60%. The wire, when the wire came out, I went, Chuck. Sorry, <laughs> I come, come on, Chuck. Jesus. Chuck, the math you're looking for is 75%. Because, <laughs> Right? Yeah. Three out of five. No, three out of four, because we only stole four of his. Sixty. I took 75% of the ones stolen, but I only took 60% of his list. Listen, it was a lot. Let's just let, – let's move on. <laughs> Daniel has some trivia for us, and I have vowed to be better than I was last week. He's got 100% of the trivia for us. So yes. We can't, we can't take this away from him. Those are what we like to call quick maths on the show. <laughs> Yeah, trivia, I've noticed, is going to be my animal. Yeah, we can't take this this trivia. This is all you. (laughs) This is my corner. There's nothing you can do about (laughs) trivia. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Number one. I've made a couple not too difficult. Name the movie a little bit. Viggo Mortensen. Marshall the Star. Say the names again. Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Um, It's not Hidalgo, is it? (laughs) Is he in Hidalgo? Viggo Mortensen's the star of it. I'll go. I didn't know if Mahershala Ali would have had like a small part in it or not. Um, based on his writing, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> um, oh, no, I'm putting the Chuck and Ricky on the side of every question. Oh, yeah. OK. Um, I haven't seen I didn't see this movie. Is it Moonlight? Chuck, did you see Moonlight? I haven't seen Moonlight. I need to. Because um, I know he, he was in... I have, uh, I have a hint. I have a hint. Do you want it or do you want to keep talking? Is it Eastern Promises? All right. Give me the hint then. I think I might need the hint. I, I, um, one Best Picture. Didn't Moonlight win Best? No, 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 no. I'm getting it confused with... Um... No, Moonlight did win Best Picture. Yeah, over La 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 La. Oh, son of a... 
Well, he was in uh, Ali was in another movie that won Best Picture. Wait, I don't, no, these movies came out in the same year. Is it Green? It's Green Book. That's yeah, the only yeah, other Green movie Buck. that he's won. That's Green one Buck. best picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green but didn't Buck. Green Book and Moonlight come out in the same year? How did they? No, both they came out. No, Green Book came out um, two years afterward. Really? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, you guys are right. Dan, we are losing you. Oh no. <laughs> am, I, am I here? Yeah, you're here now. Damn it, what the hell? I just got all the other trivia questions right. That's the only thing you missed. Did you hear number two? No, not not a word. Okay. Did you hear number the answer number one? Yeah, yeah. Green, it was green Book. book. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. So, sorry. Um, <laughs> name the three movies Daniel Day Lewis won Best Picture for. I mean, best actor for Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln's one of them. Um, what's the one where I never saw it, but he's like, I've abandoned my child. Last of the Mohicans. Was I right? I just didn't know the name of the movie. I think it's I don't know if he won for Last of the Mohicans, but I know he's in it. Um, my left foot. No, is that a No. Would you name you named the ones wrong? Yeah, Last of the Mohicans is wrong, right? Oh crap! No. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah. Just yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean? Everybody, We're saying yeah. are we white or am I wrong? And you're saying you're like giving us the blank stare, like. I don't know. What are you? It's no. trivia. Yeah, it's trivia. So tell us when we're wrong. <laughs> so we've got you... my left foot and Lincoln. Boom. That's two of the three. Yes. The final one is there will be blood. I we weren't done guessing. <laughs> well, see, that's what I didn't want to give you that. Right, but you. It, it, but, but how would we have known it? So so what I'm getting is we only had one crack at that. We only had right. one crack to name three movies. Right. Like, if we say well, Lincoln, yeah. my, Last of the Mohicans, and My Left Foot, and you say two of them are right, and then I say, okay, so my Last, last of the Mohicans was wrong, and you say, yes, then I'm like, okay, now me and Ricky are trying to figure out the yeah. right film. Well, that's, that's how that goes. Well, you're upset about me giving you a blank stare when you ask something, and then, like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to give you answers or not give you answers? I just want you to say yes or wrong. I want I want you to say right or wrong. Like when I, like when I send Lincoln a nice that's one. Boom. You know? I guess that seems like an easiest form of trivia though. I need I need to come I need to be more uh difficult. Well damn, I didn't know we were competing for something. <laughs> you mean come and, on. Pride. Also, pride. <laughs> All right. My what pride is out, out the window. Let's let, let's keep the ball rolling here. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Name the actor actress. Curious case of Benjamin Button and Ocean Eight. Okay, this is a this is a trap. No, it's um, it's oh, what's her name? She's also in Lord of the Rings. 
She is Galadriel, and her name is. Oh, what's her name? What's her name? Kate Blanchett. Correct. Wait, was it? Were we always naming an actress? It said no. It, it it's he said actor or actress. So just name okay. the yeah. But okay. Kate Blanchett is um, Sandra Bullock's number two, I think, in Ocean's Eight, and she's yeah. Brad Pitt's love interest in Curious Case of Benjamin. You Button. know, all I heard was Benjamin Button and Oceans, and I was like Brad Pitt. So that's my own fault for not paying attention to the number. Yeah, that matters. All right, matters. so I think I'm. St- I still did I get a question right? Uh, no. No, I got Green Book. I got Green Book. Yeah, Green yeah. Book, yeah. Okay, all right. I don't feel so bad with myself. Okay. Um. All right, do we want to dive right on into the penultimate episode of WandaVision? Do you think we can cover this in about 20, 25 minutes? Yeah. Sure. All right. Um, so just a quick recap before we kind of give our thoughts. I think we all sort of expected this. This was the the flashback episode. So it starts us off. Um, we are back with Agatha and Wanda. And Agatha is basically acting as Wanda's, like, therapist. She's, like, ma- making her face all of these extremely, well, for the most part, um, extremely sad, unfortunate past that she has. And she's kind of, like, making her relive it. We see young Wanda and Pietro. Um back with their parents um, in Sokovia before um, their parents unfortunately died. We end up seeing the, I don't know if you want to call it attack or the, the, the bombing raid run on Sokovia that killed her parents. Um, and then in this flashback, we learn, which I think is pretty important that she's had powers her whole life. Um, and it wasn't just her interaction with the stone and those experiments that kind of gave her those powers. Um, so we know that at some point as a child, she had some sort of of power, which I thought was pretty important. Um, we end up seeing, and feel free to chime in here if I'm missing anything, but we, we jump to, do we go straight to her interaction with Vision at no, the headquarters? We saw her interaction with the Mind Stone. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, we see her in, in the experimental like cell prison room thing um, and her interacting with it. Um, which also showed that she had powers because doesn't she like, like pull it towards her or something? I'm already forgetting what happened. She walks in the mind stone, like reveals itself from the Loki scepter. Yes. She sees this bright yellow light and she sees a vision of something, AKA her in her comic accurate costume. In the in the light, which we cannot see, and the Hydra agents could not. No, right. Mm -hmm. The Hydra agents see like she's standing there, and then the next thing blinks, and she's on the floor, just like um, she did to the broadcast earlier, which we saw. Yeah, and that's where she's there, and that's where she's watching the Brady Bunch, um, and turns off the TV with her eyes. Yeah, and then to the best conversation they've ever written. Oh my god! Between the two of them, for sure. I could spend 
an entire episode on that conversation. Um, whoever wrote that needs to win an award because the line that Paul Bettany has as vision where he's kind of going through like, you know, how he's never had a loved one to lose. So he don't know what that's like. And, you know, she's obviously very, very upset because she has just lost her brother. Um, and he says, what is grief if not love persevering? And that yep. uh, may or may not have caused a, a, a lone tear to kind of run down my face. That was beautiful. That conversation was awesome. So that brings us to um, right after that, we kind of go to the interaction she had at the sword headquarters um, where she goes. And we were told that she stole Vision's body which ends up not being the case. She goes and, uh, you know, as like the badass she is, doesn't even let the guy buzz her in. She just, you know, opens the door on her own, goes straight into Hayward's office. And quickly, I think, and let me know if you guys thought differently, you're under the impression that this is what he wanted all along. He's letting her do this. He seemed to basically like, almost like she was falling into a trap of his, this is what he wanted. He wanted her to see this. And um, she's in his office. She looks down at, like, the operating table and sees Vision's body in, like, six or seven different pieces. And if that is someone that you love, that's very, a very traumatizing thing to see, even if he is, like, technically a robot. Um, and she's dealing with that about as poorly as I think you could possibly deal with it. She's very upset. She shatters the glass which is what you see in the declassified video that Hayward shows all the agents in like episode three, I think, or four. Four. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't leave with the body. She goes back to her car um, after that incredibly heartbreaking scene where she's kind of doing her little magic over his forehead, which was like their thing. And she's like, I can't feel you, um, which was super, super sad. And then she leaves. Also being super, super sad, gets in her car. There's an envelope in her front seat. Um, and the envelope ends up being what looks like the blueprint to a house that Vision had. Um, well, he had purchased a lot in, in Westview, in the real city of Westview. So she drives through Westview. We see all the real residents. Um, I can't remember any of their names. I'm so sorry. But you see them all like as their actual selves. She goes to this lone lot where there's just like a basic foundation of what looks like a home um she opens up the letter or or the, or or the the piece of paper and it ends up being that blueprint to the home and in the middle it says to grow old and signed like v for vision and she just has this breakdown in the lot um so much so that she creates what we know now as the hex and we then learn that not only did she create the hex and make everything look like a sitcom, she created this version of Vision out of grief, out of just pure heartbrokenness, um, loneliness, sadness. She created him from scratch. Um, so we learned that that is not his body. Um, this entire time we're going through this, Agatha's watching, keep in mind. And after they show her creating vision, there's a small little conversation with her and Agatha in the street where Agatha's got her two kids 
basically like well looks like i'm like child leashes in the middle of the street she's like levitating holding a on and she's like you're super dangerous um you're using chaos magic that makes you the scarlet witch and we're all like oh, yeah, they finally said it um because do you guys know why they haven't said it yet do they did they not have the rights to that name or what um not sure about why they haven't said it, but they haven't. But I believe Kevin Feige said that we would that this show would be revealing who Wanda is. So we finally got her comic accurate name. We got the Halloween costume of her comic accurate costume. Now we just need the comic accurate costume, and then we'll yes. be good. No, just which kidding. we're we're getting um, next episode. I'm I'm assuming at some point because we saw the outline of it in the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, um, this was a really good episode, just like all the others. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really excited to see how this all comes together. Um, my favorite moment was with that conversation between her and Vision, not just because it was an emotional wallop right yeah. in the nutsack of your heart. Um <laughs> Also because I got to see a clip of Malcolm in the Middle, which is also a hilarious show that I love. So, boom, double win. I think this episode really did something that – and I saw this discourse on Twitter. Um, Twitter can be a terrible place, guys. Uh, Yeah. But the one thing I did like to see – was that a lot of comic book fans were basically like, this is the Scarlet Witch that has always been in the comic books, but has never been treated like this in the comic books. That we're finally getting an appreciation for the level of you know, harm that has come to this woman and her finally dealing with it. Which mm-hmm. is, uh, I think, a, a, great, a great thing to see, honestly. It's amazing. Yeah, the occasional Twitter look that says, hey, Something is actually happening better than it used to happen. You don't see that often. Twitter is normally <laughs> rooted into the, the the roots they planted, and that is where they love to live. Mm-hmm. Well, there was also a, quite a bit of hate about that line about grief and love and perseverance. What hate? What, I missed that. What what was the hate? It, it's too much to get into. Suffice it to oh. say, some people thought it was not as great as other people thought it was. Which, of course, led to Twitter discourse, a.k.a. insulating yourself into your own beliefs to the point that it becomes <laughs> toxic. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> the old yelling into the void. Yeah. Concept. And now I've seen a couple memes where, like, people replace the words and all that. Oh, so people just can't let a thing be a thing. It's it, there's got to be of all things to complain about in that episode. That's what they went with. Um, wow, that that upset me. I was not too far. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of the show, apparently. But. Apparently, I'm in the part of Twitter that likes to bleed in those areas. I don't know why, yeah. but I need to get out of it. Need to start changing my patterns. Need to do a cleansing over there, a detox. Um, You need to look in the mirror, Chuck, apparently. (laughs) Chuck, the problem is just you, I think. It really is what we're getting down to. Apparently. Um, Um, We should probably mention the post-credits scene, no? Yeah, where we get the white vision 
And yes. maybe the fact that Paul Bettany's been trolling us the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. So I have two questions about White Division. I want to know what you guys think. One, was this just the biggest troll job by Paul Bettany imaginable where he – because for anyone who lives under a rock, isn't watching the show and hasn't seen like this – this conspiracy theory, but Paul Bettany did an interview where he said that there is a cameo in this show, um, a character who has yet to be introduced at the time of the interview that he had been dying to work with his entire life. Um, and at the end of episode eight at the post credit scene, we see a recreation of vision um, that Hayward constructs using the real visions old body. And he creates White Vision, as I think he's known in the comics, um, who was most likely going to be played by Paul Bettany, too. I imagine they're going to have to do that. So is this just Paul Bettany trying to be funny and unintentionally leading all of us on to what is probably going to be a bit of a disappointment? I'm afraid uh, that's where it's going to. Um there I is hope one, not, is all I said. Yeah. I There's one other possibility that I saw, which would be crazy. It would be awesome. Um, that would be that Dick Van Dyke shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. If Dick Van Dyke shows up, I'll, I'm going to be here for it. I'm going to be here for it. <laughs> I mean, give me odds on that. <laughs> Let's go plus 900. Oh, plus 9,500. <laughs> I'd put a dollar down on that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to make these odds. Listen, I'm not in Vegas. <laughs> You're oh, not an odds maker. Yeah. Uh, not on the Dick Van Dykes showing up in one division odds. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell that's going to be. No. Uh, I did see some other odds this week, but we can talk about that off camera because – but, yeah. Uh, um, no. We're not on camera, Chuck. We're not on, on camera. Off air, whatever. Off the recording. <laughs> but, um, no. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, if we're going to get that cameo, but at this point, I don't care. I just need to see some emotional resolution to what has been a heartbreaking time for Wanda. I need to see what Agnes's real motivation is at this point. And I want to see, you know, is she survive this and go on to become a bad guy slash anti-hero? Or is she destroyed in this? What's going on? Are we going to get more Catherine Hahn? I hope so. But, uh, yeah, hopefully this ending doesn't ruin it. <laughs> That's the only thing at this point. <laughs> You're so scarred from Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's bleeding into everything else that you watch. Game of Thrones, Lost, <laughs> to some extent, How I Met Your Mother. I mean, there's been I've been brokenhearted many times. <laughs> Dan, I'll let you. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go. On the end of One Division, this episode, I think. About seven minutes into the episode, I said, I think this is all we're doing all episode. I was like, I think we're just doing a deep dive. That That's it. And it's what we got, which was great. We learned a ton, and I love that. And we kind of needed it for Wanda. She deserved to kind of go through how she gained this and 
the little tease into no, it's not just the Mind Stone. She's got that little bit of something just inside her. The problem is, and I'm worried, we got a hell lot to do in however many minutes they choose to be episode nine. 50, Rumored to 42, be about 50. 37. Monica Rambeau? Yeah. How much of a superhero is she? Vision. This new Vision. Is he... How much real vision is he? White vision. How much of that vision is that vision? Wanda and Agatha's reconciliation for fifty minutes for ninety minutes. <laughs> You're gonna have to repeat everything you just said. Yeah, good. Lord. I mean, no. We, we we heard Wanda and Agatha's reconciliation, and it just went. It just went from there. <laughs> you went into the clouds. Ah, wonderful. It was. It was reconciliation was just the setup for or betrayal and defeathood of each other, and just what the resolution of their story would be on top of the like the pushing forward of where this Marvel universe is going with all of the other characters, all of that 50 minutes plus, I guess, a, you know, a minute and a half post credit is best we can get. That's a lot. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. So a couple things about this next episode. Um, it's already confirmed that there's going to be a post credit scene. So, you know, the, this show's not going to have a, what I think is going to make a total finality to it. Um, it's going to bleed into Doctor Strange, like it's already been said, and, mm-hmm. and Spider Man. Um, I'm like 90% sure about this that it's next episode is going to kick off from right where right where we left off, or right where we left it in that street um, with Agatha having the kids um, on that weird magical leash that she has. And I'm predicting that it's just going to be Vision coming, you know, right in because he's still on his way to her, you know, from two episodes ago um, where he phased out of the was it an ice cream truck or like a some sort of food truck. Um, yeah. And it was on his way to her. So I think we're going to I think we're going right back to where we left off. But they have so much to do in 50 minutes. Like you said, we, we got to see. You know, we we, we got to learn more about Monica. Like, she's got these powers now. Like, like what, what's her role in all this? You now have white vision. You you have vision coming back and, you know, having to realize that Agatha's been this big bad all along. And then I'm still pretty certain that she's working for somebody still. And I don't think this is 100% her. So, you know, that to deal with. I don't know how they're going to do it all in 50 minutes. Um, however... I have no reason to believe, unlike Chuck, that they're going to do a really, really good job. I I am not worried one <laughs> bit that they're going to ruin this show because I'm an adult and I don't let that sort of stuff ruin entire TV shows for me. Now listen, I'm not saying I think that it's going to be bad. I'm just saying I want it to be great. It's been great every episode so far. But I've seen this story before. I just want to make sure they stick the landing. I uh, I think they will because, like I said, they, they've been doing a great job so far. And even though it's a short amount of time, they're going to wrap up, I think, what they need to wrap up here. And everything else will get in Doctor Strange 2, and I'll be okay with that. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just looking forward to a fantastic Dick Van Dyke cameo. You know? yes. uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe <laughs> a star of another sitcom that was not featured on the show, but is a well-known sitcom. Betty White, star of Golden. Oh, Boy. all right. We're just getting. We're just really. <laughs> really reaching now. Um, yeah, we're 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 stretching now, guys. Come on, come on. I'm glad you brought up cameos though, because I am like 99.999% sure we're not getting some sort of surprise cameo. I think the most that we get is Doctor Strange, and I don't think that's really gonna like surprise anybody. Uh, maybe a more of a um a casual fan, I guess. Um, but. And I'm okay with that. I'm I'm totally I, – I don't think they can introduce a brand-new character now. I think they're pushing it with introducing White Vision basically, you know, right before the last episode. So we'll see. But I, 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 I still think I nailed it, guys. There's going to be a scrawl. You know, I had that written down somewhere still. So if – I mean, I, there's – it's, it's going to happen. I think you're right, honestly. Well, I think you have the best chance of being right. Let me rephrase that. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think, I, you know, at this point, if John Krasinski shows up as Reed Richards, I'm, I, I, I just don't think that's happening. <laughs> no, no. Um, I don't think he is showing up as Reed Richards. I'm, I think we're a while away from getting a a Reed Richards appearance in any shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, they just, what Kevin Feige the other week just announced that they started like the writing for the fantastic four movie. So why would they, I mean, they might have their cast figured out, but I, I really doubt it at least not yet, but yep. it doesn't change the fact that I'm super excited for that remake. 100%. Indeed. All righty. Do you fellas have anything you'd like to add? Um, predictions, shout outs, anything before we sign off here tonight? I don't Just know. satisfaction. I think we will have, we'll be happy with the, the WandaVision series. I, I, I would agree. I certainly hope. Well, to all of our faithful listeners, we were able to keep it under two and a half hours this time. That was a, a tall task, but we we uh, we accomplished it. Um, make sure if you guys can, um, you feel free to follow us on Twitter. We are at Mind Popcorn. Um, mind your popcorn was taken, so we are settling for at Mind Popcorn until we can fight for the rights um, for the handle in court, which is sure to be soon. Um, other than that, uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, we are going to sign off, so have a great night. Good night. Bye.